What's up guys, it's your girl Adiola Adini and you are tuned in to this week's episode of Well This Is Awkward. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe and share with all your friends, your family, neighbors, classmates, whoever you know has access to any podcast streaming service. I hope you all enjoy this episode because you are in for a treat. Oh, and one last thing. Happy Black History Month. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat of an episode today. Today, I am joined with one of the best to ever do it in the music business. She is a music manager, educator, poet, and founder of the Aim for the Heart Foundation, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping the youth examine their purpose and relevance in life through finding their voice through emotional literacy and the arts. She is best known as the first manager of the one and only Tupac Shakur until this day for the impact that she has left and continues to leave in the music industry. I am pleased to introduce to you this amazing and kind-hearted spirit, Miss Layla Steinberg. Layla, thank you so much for being here with me today. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> um, well, first off, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out your busy, busy schedule to do an interview with me. It truly means a lot, and words can't really express how much this interview really means to me. Well, thank you. And we got to thank Femi because I, I got to do anything Femi asked me to do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Uncle Femi, so much for um, making this interview happen. So I know the listeners are wondering and questioning right now, how were you first introduced to Tupac and how did your first encounter with him lead to being his manager? So a lot of um, my first introduction and my initial connection is kind of out there already. Um, I, I actually, and my connection to Femi is my love and passion for African music. African music has influenced every form of music on the planet. Our greatest artists come from the continent. So I think, you know, my early introduction and my early days at Inner City Cultural Center really um, introduced me to the drum and, mm. and to music. And so I was in a band and I um, had young kids. I was in a mostly Nigerian band, actually, Orlando Julius and the Nigerian All-Stars. And um, I thought I was in the band because I thought I was really talented. And I later realized it was actually, I was the least talented. Um, although I, I had to be talented enough to, to be in it, but I realized that it was imperative that I begin to use my voice at the time. Mm-hmm. And that to be an all-black, Nigerian band traveling this country in the 80s was not so safe and and it was um, important that there was somebody that could be an ambassador and and communicate and deal with promoters so I really began touring and it was my beginning of of learning from Orlando um, about the business Mm -hmm. and so I performed and then I helped handle a lot of business so that was my first introduction to music business without even knowing that I was doing business. And mm-hmm. then I would do workshops um, when I wasn't traveling and on the stage. I, I was teaching and I, I was very um, 
clear at a young age that we have two educational systems. We have two systems for everything, one for people of privilege and another for people in poverty. And I was very passionate about um, challenging these systems and inequity and social justice and race. So um, I was doing these workshops and doing assemblies and, and running my beginning of what would be my nonprofit and doing a lot of work um, in the schools that challenge the way we educate and and creating a curriculum and a process where we weren't afraid to talk about the difficult subject. Mm-hmm. And so those were my initial motivations were, you know, I have mixed kids and really that means I have black children. Um, if we want to be honest about race in this country and mm. and how do I as a basically pale white woman raise black children to know their identity and be strong in this world and in this country and and how do I raise black children responsibly so mm-hmm. those are really the um, the early questions that that prompted everything I ended up doing thus far and so um, I my husband was a DJ and worked with a lot of rappers, and, and I loved African and Latin music. And he needed me to help him early on in his business because we are such a racist country. He mm-hmm. couldn't run a facility. He couldn't get through doors. So I began to use my privilege to help him with his business and then the band that I worked in. But a lot of the rappers that he worked with were pretty hardcore, and I wanted to have rappers do my high school assemblies with me. And I wanted to find someone that spoke a similar language and that wasn't afraid to talk about these subjects that I felt like we needed to address. So I worked with all these kids and I kept saying, I need, you know, somebody who who understands politics and race. And mm. so one day one of my students told me there was a kid that moved from Baltimore and he was everything I talked about. And so this went on for a couple months, and I ended up meeting Tupac, and that's who she wanted me to meet. And um, and from the moment I met him, I, I recognized his brilliance, and we shared a love of people and humanity and a joint cause to um, address racism. I would say that before there was a Black Lives Matter movement, Tupac was the Black Lives Matter movement. Wow. His life was dedicated to having us understand that we have thrown away black lives in this country and Mm -hmm. he wanted black lives to matter and not at the expense of any other life but white lives always mattered here and and brown lives um didn't matter either but but black lives were at the bottom of the totem pole and he wanted to wake people up Mm -hmm. and have um young white kids who loved rap music become accountable to the history and so really that's how it all started we met we shared a common goal we knew that together we could address um race social justice um law in this country inequity and he was really young but he was farther along than i was Mm -hmm. and never planned on managing people always say i discovered tupac and truly after orlando discovered that i had some initial skills and could be a front person for the band tupac discovered me and believed i could be great at business 
and that I could get in any door that I needed to. And I could speak Spanish when I needed to. My mom's from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I could really kind of be the chameleon that someone would need to be to represent this new art form, this um, first time that an art form came from the black community that could have black ownership. Mm -hmm. And that we could have honest enough conversations that I could be a vehicle and then when it was time I could get out of the way and understand that every time there's black success there's someone white claiming it and that I wouldn't be that and and that I would commit to listening to him and learning from him he bought every book on music business and this 17 year old taught this 25 year old (laughs) how to do business mm-hmm. in an all-male, mostly white industry. And we just created a vision and began to hustle together, and we did it. Um, and that was my entry into the management of artists and my working with Tupac. Wow. Did I answer that question? You answered it amazingly. Like That was honestly very... That was deep, and I feel like a lot of people don't really recognize how much Tupac really influenced hip-hop and the art form as a way um, of spreading a message and kind of it being um, a code to fight for freedom in a way that those who don't understand. And so my question would be, do you feel like music today is still an art form or like a code um, to fight for freedom in a way to send a message through the lyrics? Or do you feel like um, hip-hop and rap and like all the art forms that have um, come up out of this generation is not really doing the same thing that it did back then? I think that music always will play the role. It will always be as spirituals were the path to freedom. There will always be an evolution of spirituals and of music with coded messages. Mm -hmm. I think the internet has changed things. I think we've got a long way to go to understand the impact, but everything is at our fingertips Mm -hmm. with the internet. And if you're open to understanding the messages and you're wanting to learn that music will teach you about everything from diet to um, healing to God to whatever it is and the the challenge with what happened with hip-hop is that the goal was to maintain and keep ownership amongst the creators Mm. and this business doesn't necessarily allow for that and it's still we're still on a plantation in this country Mm -hmm. and the the prison industry is evidence of that and so we still have a lot of work to do. We have to really examine criminal justice reform. We have to examine how um, we move from the plantations to the prisons. And and music has a connection to all of that. And, and Tupac really understood that. Mm-hmm. And he was very devoted to um, ending mass incarceration and ending this movement. And, and those in power really recognize the power of this art form. And so it, it got very complicated because um, they, the, the major labels started buying up all the indies and we didn't have the internet at that time. Mm-hmm. And so we were fighting a, a very big machine and 
And then you had Tupac, who was still a boy. He was just growing into manhood when he died, when he was murdered, actually. Mm. And so um, we were in this time where we were still being held captive by the larger corporations. We couldn't get the communication out there. And then um, Tupac also had a script that he couldn't get out of, and we were all too young to guide him. and, and he didn't see, as um, many young black men do, a way out of the, um, the script that says that black men are an endangered species mm-hmm. and, and he couldn't live past 25. And so um, he, he kind of realized that vision. And, and Tupac was a threat on every level. Mm-hmm. And... So it's really difficult when we're honest about black leadership in this country and how much we fear black men. Mm-hmm. And, and so now, bringing full circle what you said, there are many artists whose voices resonate. There are many artists doing the work. And then there's very superficial artists who keep us focused on partying and and not really thinking. And there's a place for that. It's important that we celebrate and that we have fun. And sometimes we get out of our mind and get into our bodies. And um, I don't want to knock artists who are here just for that purpose, but there are also really important messages being delivered and, and really important voices. And, you know, we still have to go back to to the continent of Africa and from the north to the south to the east to the west and we have to look at the migration of art and the messages and it's not always verbal either it's not always messages that have to come in words often it's sounds that that affect us and and that's why the drum is so important the drum is the language and and not everybody understands or knows that. And so um, that was another thing that was important to him is that we don't exploit cultural languages and use them for our own benefit, but that we understand the context and the historical relevance of, of our artists and of the traveling of, of culture. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so you kind of mentioned how Tupac, for at such a young age, had such a powerful voice and such a strong message. And you as well wanted to make sure that um, your message wasn't being diluted with things that, um, like you said, such a white male-dominated space um, would much rather being said, you know, taking away from the message of the lyrics. How did you make sure your voice was being heard and taken seriously and making sure that, you know, the message was coming across the way it needed to be, to come across, like not sugarcoated, you know, um, just straight up, this is how we want to say it, this is how we want to make sure um, things change and we don't want anybody trying to switch up our words? I mean, I'm still at 58, you know, it's a lifelong struggle and fight to, um, to have one here um, the truth of what one's saying and so I haven't always been heard but I still mm-hmm. keep showing up I, I think that consistency is so important mm-hmm. I think that um, that if you want something to land or to bring something home you've got to keep showing up and so 
I've consistently done the work of social justice for mm-hmm. 35 years. I've continued to work in the prisons and continued to have a nonprofit. And, you know, a lot of my focus is emotional and financial literacy mm-hmm. and social and racial justice. And I've seen amazing changes in my lifetime. Otherwise, I would have given up a long time ago. I mean, I've seen changes internationally. I was there to support the fight against apartheid. And then Mm. I was in South Africa with those that led the fight, acknowledging that there was a shift. I've seen changes in this country. Um, and, And we're in such a crucial time. I mean, the leadership in America in 2019 is, you know, one for the record. It's unbelievable to me that that we're sitting in this time. And I always think about Tupac and think, what would you be doing right now? Mm -hmm. He would be mobilizing the vote. And it's our responsibility to not be um, passive and to understand that every one of us has to to collectively make these changes and make these shifts. And um, so I'm going to continue to be the optimist and believe that we can make changes. And and there's a reason that we are all here in the circumstances that that we are in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I just keep showing up and, <laughs> and knowing that um, that there will always be growth and change, and yeah. and that the internet could be shut down any day. It's technology and mm-hmm. technology fails us but while we're able to we have to document things from the internet we have to utilize this amazing resource because it removes the patriarchy it removes um the kind of leadership that is um dictatorship and and it allows us to speak across all barriers to young people all over the world because young people might not have a television in certain countries and certain places, but they're surely going to get a phone that allows them access to Mm -hmm. the Internet. And so we have to learn how to utilize this amazing resource, and we have to talk across all platforms like you're doing today and and grow our audience and grow our voices. And critical mass is how change happens. So you have to understand who has influence in this space it's a numbers game nowadays and you have to align yourself with people who have numbers I mean an influencer is such a funny word because Mm -hmm. there are influencers that have influence because they have a nice ass excuse my language (laughs) and there's influencers that are funny you know with no content that's viable but they have influence because they reach critical mass and so somebody with something important to say has to figure out how to align themselves with somebody with numbers right. and then collaborate on those platforms. And um, and then art cuts through everything. Powerful artists cut through everything because they hit the heart. And Tupac had a massive audience because people felt his heart. Mm-hmm. And underneath all that pain was tremendous love, love mm-hmm. of his people, love of all people and love of possibility and um, that's really uh, 
the, the main ingredient is to have enough love and passion that people resonate with you and they feel you. Yes, definitely. I feel like love and passion is something that the country kind of needs to drive off of more instead of power. The country today is really driving off of, you know, money, power, greed. But the underlying message that I feel like a lot of people need to learn is that love and love and passion for caring for other people will really make the world a better place than money could money could ever do. And um, you said something once that I felt like was really, really powerful. You once said, you serve Brenda's babies um, based off of one of Tupac's songs and not the system, which truly stuck with me because there is so much untapped talent, so much locked potential, but because of the lack of access and tools that young people um, need in order to break through without being shut out or having barrier after barrier after barrier being thrown at them, it prevents them from reaching their um, full potential, and I know you have your nonprofit organization. How does your organization and you personally go about um, helping young people today beat the odds, fight the system, and make sure their voices are heard and they, um, you know, fulfill the purpose that they have for themselves in life? That was a long question. <laughs> I think I missed the core question. How do we keep motivating young people? Is that what you said? Yes. So how do you keep motivating young people who don't have the um, access and tools that they need to get to where they um, want to be, um, accomplish their goals, and reach their full potential? I think, you know, again, consistency. got to keep showing up for young people. Mm -hmm. I think um, that... Some of those tools come, which is why emotional and financial literacy are at the core of my work and what I bring to young people. But mentorship is really important also. So it, it's crucial that we help young people understand that there's somebody out there that they can latch on to and learn from in any field. And there's also a library in every city and you can go into a library and get on the internet and mm. you can study you don't need to pay for school and that's what I'm saying we, we have some amazing things that we can access that we didn't have when I was younger so you know you, we gotta get in and we have to touch young people we have to feed their heart we have to help them know they matter and once you have a young person know that they matter all it takes is caring, caring is Mm. You care about somebody, um, a little bit of love goes a long way. And it doesn't have to be biological. There's a whole generation of Brenda's babies born unwanted. And, and that is who I've always served. I always thought about Brenda's baby survived. You know, where is Brenda's baby? And so that's always um, been the driving force for me. And you know, we, we find our passion through our issues. And my mom left when I was young. She moved out, and my dad raised me. And so my own feelings around abandonment um, really motivated me to be a mother to my generation. Mm -hmm. I wanted to parent everybody that felt abandoned by a parent. And I think that we all can find our passion inside of our pain. We, we can look at where our challenges are and then that kind of delivers us into the work we're supposed to do. And I think that, you know, we we show up for people who are broken and hurting and we give them a little bit of hope and possibility and they begin to bloom. And I've seen it over and over again. Mm. And it works. 
That's beautiful. That is truly a beautiful statement. And I feel like one, like like I said before, um, we need to start putting hope in the people that we just pass across the street. You know, there's a lot of people who don't have the same resources as we may do, but they still have just as much potential and such a bright future. And like you said, caring is really um, the thing that would drive um, those people who do not have the resources to to just be the best version of themselves. So that was really a great statement. Um, you mentioned earlier in the interview that you um, toured with the Nigerian All-Stars and you worked with them. And as we see Afrobeat now coming over to America and influencing a lot of American artists, such as Beyonce with her The Lion King, The Gift album, and we see Drake using a lot of Afrobeat influence in his music where do you see Afrobeat in the next five, ten years going in the near future? And would you um, ever consider again to work on projects with Afrobeat artists and managing them and um, just seeing uh, where they go? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. African artists are some of the most important artists on the planet. Mm. They've influenced all music. Um, Orlando Julius is known as, you know, the godfather pretty much of Afrobeat music. Mm. You must Kayla. Um, I I always will work with African artists and Afrobeat artists, uh, and I think there's a resurgence. There's such a move right. um, to come back to world music and world beat and Afrobeat and Afro high life, and and I've missed it. And I I think that um, that it's so important in terms of bringing community together and and helping us understand. Um, the power of music and so I, I'm excited because you know I, I'm seeing it pop up all over and and I'm definitely you know going to commit and support any artists that that come from the continent and that are doing African hybrid music in any form yeah Afrobeat you know, I don't know if it's biased because I'm Nigerian-American but Afrobeat <laughs> is definitely on my playlist all the time is definitely the type of music that can just, it feeds my soul and it makes me just feel so good and you can just feel the energy and every single instrument, every single drum um, just spark through you when you're listening to it. So Afrobeat is definitely one of my favorite um, forms of art and I'm really excited to see where it's going to go in the near future. Um, so going to a university, I go to Howard University, um, HU for anybody listening that goes to Yay. Howard. <laughs> And um, there are tons of artists on campus um, hoping for their voice, their words, their productions, their art, whatever their art form may be, they hope to inspire change and get a message across to the world. We kind of talked about social media, tapping into that. Um, What words of advice can you give to somebody on campus, somebody listening right now, who is trying to get their work to be seen um, and influence people? What advice could you give them um, in trying to do so? I mean, they're on a campus, so they have access to an entire student body. There's nowhere better. Um, I'd love to come out there and do some workshops, so if there's ever an opportunity, we should do something. Definitely. Oh, definitely. I I just came back from Hampton, had some amazing workshops with Eleanor Earl. And and so I think that... um, open mics in the community, find your local places, get gigs, reach out to major artists that you know are coming into the market, Mm -hmm. find a way to open for them. There's 
so many things that you can do, but people are limited by their own um, thoughts mm-hmm. and, and don't realize that you can access anybody that you want to if you're persistent and consistent enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like me, you know, a lot of times people think I'm not accessible or they can't reach me, but those that really want to, you know, the internet is here, you can find the people you're trying to get to, right. and, and you actually can access people that you think are, are not available, and to find a way in, but for artists, you got to perform, you got to be doing live shows, a lot of gigs, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And we definitely have a lot of, even myself, I have a lot of friends who produce, who rap. Um, I know that they definitely um, would love a workshop or, um, you know, just kind of performing around open mic nights that will kind of get their art forms out there. So I would definitely, we can definitely set something up for a workshop. That would be no problem at all. Um, but my last question that I wanted to ask you, and this one's a kind of fun one, um, the title of my podcast is called, Well, This is Awkward, because we have all found ourselves in awkward situations at some point, some sometime in our lives, where we're just like, yikes, why, why did I do that? So, um, what is one awkward moment that you have found yourself in, whether that be, you know, in the business, or just a regular walk in the grocery store that you look back at and you say, well, that was really awkward. <laughs> Um, I'm always awkward, too, so I can't even think of one incident. Even having a phone interview is awkward. I, I never know if anything I say matters or if anybody wants to hear me, and then I'm, like, not even knowing how to start a conversation. So even initially doing this is awkward for me. So I think it's a great name. I think that transparency is so important. Mm-hmm. So if you can start out and let everybody know you're nervous, every time I speak in front of a group, I'm nervous as hell. It's always awkward. Mm. And I think that just starting out from that space and owning it makes it a lot easier. So right. I think that's great. It's a great name. Um, just like Insecure, I think that was a brilliant name yes. for her show. I think that the majority of us have insecurities. Mm-hmm. And and if we can just get past those um, those few moments, then... And we can all talk to each other and let that go. So. Yeah. yeah, from one awkward human being to another one, it's really refreshing to be able to talk to somebody who can admit, like, yeah, I'm an awkward person, but yet I don't let that stop me. I don't let that stop um, me from going and pursuing all my goals and dreams and making sure my voice is heard. Even if I do feel a little awkward, I still want to make sure that I'm confident in my awkwardness and I still go ahead and do what I feel like. I need to do in order to fulfill my purpose. So, Layla, I want to thank you so, so much. This was an amazing interview, an amazing talk, and thank you so much for just taking the time out your day to enlighten us with your beautiful mind. Well, thank you. I hope that helped. (laughs) It did. It did. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Well, y'all, I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. Huge shout-out goes to Layla for featuring on the podcast, so thank you again, Layla. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, and follow us on IG at Well This Is Aquapod. Thanks for tuning in, and make sure to tune in to the next episode, because you won't want to miss it.